Cryptocurrencies enable a large number of applications. Trustless reputation systems, decentralized identity tools, micropayments, non-fungible internet items, borderless currencies, just to name a few. But cryptocurrencies have not yet impacted daily life for most of us. Why is that? One reason is that it is still very hard for developers to build within the cryptocurrency ecosystem. The programming languages, such as Solidity, are not widely used by software engineers. Building and deploying smart contracts is not as easy as deploying a simple Ruby on Rails web app. The open source tooling is immature, as are the paid developer tools. Sean Lee is the CEO of Fortmatic, a company that is building tools to improve the Ethereum developer experience. Fortmatic simplifies wallet creation, user identity management, security, and money transfer for Ethereum developers. Before starting Fortmatic, Sean was the founder of Kitematic, a company that made the developer experience of Docker easier. Kitematic was acquired by Docker the company, and Sean is one of the few people with significant experience in both the enterprise container ecosystem and the cryptocurrency ecosystem. Sean joins the show to discuss his time in the Docker ecosystem, his new company Fortmatic, and his perspective on how to build tools for developers, whether we're talking about enterprise Docker developers or cryptocurrency developers out in the wild. Someday there will be hundreds of thousands of developers building applications around cryptocurrencies, just like people use cloud computing today. The road to getting there is unclear, and Sean provides useful insights and predictions for the future. Before we get started, I want to mention that the product that I've been working on, called Find Collabs, is having a hackathon right now. And if you're interested in Find Collabs, you can listen back to the episode from this Sunday, or you can go to findcollabs.com or findcollabs.com slash hackathon to find out about the hackathon that we're running. Now let's get on with the episode. John Lee, you are the CEO at Fortmatic. Welcome back to Software Engineering Daily. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for having me here. Yeah. The last time we spoke, you were working on tooling around Docker. You're one of the few people I know who has moved from the enterprise distributed systems world, which is containers and Kubernetes and cloud technologies, but you've now moved to the blockchain cryptocurrency world. Why did you make the transition from the world of enterprise distributed systems to the world of cryptocurrencies? Yeah, so I made the transition last year in May. And, you know, one of the reasons is I do think containers, you know, appeals to a lot of developers as well. So it's less of a, you know, transition from enterprise to, to blockchain tooling. It's more like, what do developers want? And then how we can make it easier for developers to get started. And basically, I feel like the, the same vibe and you know, passion among the developers from the container world, and that's present in the Ethereum community as well. So it was like a really clear transition for me. Hey, I need to do the same thing that captured developers in the containers world and then into the blockchain world as well. How would you contrast the two cultures of the container world 
the enterprise distributed systems world with the crypto decentralization world as it stands today? Yeah, there's a lot of similarities. So if you take a look at Docker, it essentially has two layers, right? One is, you know, the open container standard, the protocol that is very open and almost run like a decentralized uh, uh, organization. And compare that to the Ethereum protocol, which is also uh, decentralized. What is different is that for Docker, there's uh, Docker Inc., right? The parent company of the technology. And for Ethereum, it's truly decentralized, which allows different companies to um, basically contribute to this open standard and collectively improve it. The containerization world has moved so quickly. There were tons of startups that were raising lots of money and finding finding lots of business. Other startups were going out of business. The, the world just moved really quickly, and there were acquisitions. It was quite a, a fast pace of development uh, for a while, and I guess it's continued, basically, because it's moved on to the world of Kubernetes and this kind of cloud-native refactoring that a lot of large enterprises are going through. So just for some context, your company, Kite, Kitematic, I think was the name, was was acquired by Docker, and then you worked at Docker for a year and a half, two years. What did you learn from your time working at Docker? Oh, well, yeah, I learned a lot at Docker, mostly around, you know, how to build a product for developers and then making sure that we can capture new developers into the ecosystem. And that's primarily what I've worked on, you know, with Kitematic, with Docker for Mac, Docker for Windows, essentially removing the barrier of entry to new developers into the ecosystem. And there's a couple of things I learned. We basically made Docker uh, feel native on the Mac. Right. So, you know, in the beginning, there is VirtualBox requirements in order to use Docker on Mac and Windows. And later, you know, working with the, the Unikernel team that was also acquired into Docker, we made it feel like Docker is running natively on your Mac by using leveraging some of the virtualization capabilities in the Mac OS system. So uh, that was really cool. And essentially, the trick here is to reduce the cognitive workload for new users to understand uh, what the container was and also getting started and get a container running within like 15 minutes. One thing that surprised me at the Kubernetes conferences that I went to in, in the last year and a half or so is that there wasn't much discussion of crypto at the Kubernetes world. And, you know, to some people that might be obvious, like, oh, yeah, Kubernetes, that's the thing the enterprises use to run their centralized infrastructure. And then, you know, the crypto world is this world of decentralized crypto anarchists, and they're trying to build their own currency, and these worlds have nothing to do with one another. But in fact, there are plenty of opportunities for these two burgeoning ecosystems to have applications built in each other's worlds. I'm sure we'll see it eventually, but why isn't there more collaboration between these two worlds today? Right. So my perspective on this is I see both the blockchain and the container world as a transition from one thing to another. And, and what I mean by that is um, so containers are a transition from on-prem infrastructure to cloud infrastructure. And... People want this transition, people want to use containers for this transition is because there's no vendor lock-in, right? There's 
you know, uh, from switching from traditional on-prem infrastructure to cloud, you know, it's quite it's, it's a quite scary and risky proposition. So it makes sense to put your software into containers and then distribute it to different cloud providers and hoping that there's no vendor lock-in. And I think in terms of blockchain, it's another transition, essentially from long-running services into a serverless world you know, or function as a service. Because essentially, a theorem contract is, is a lot like a, um, you know, like a lambda function, even though that the scalability and performance issues is still being addressed. I think this future will make you know, software development easier. And we can definitely see some union among the two transitions as well, because you know, containers and orchestration tools are also being used quite heavily in setting up blockchain infrastructure, for example, like a, like a node and all that. Let's talk about that in more detail. So the centralized distributed systems tooling, things like Kubernetes or Kafka, how is this stuff useful for building cryptocurrency applications? So in, in terms of building cryptocurrency applications, it's not quite useful. However, those infrastructure tooling is great for spinning up the base infrastructure uh, for blockchain applications, which blockchain applications doesn't even interact directly, right? And that you know, leads into the, this Web3 thing because essentially there's no more servers. The client application will talk directly to basically like a uniform set of servers, that is that could be running on you know infrastructure tooling from the the, the container uh, generation. Well, let's start to talk a little bit more about Web three because that's what you're working on at Fortmatic. Your first company, Kitematic, was as you described around making Docker easier to use. You got acquired by Docker, and your new company, Fortmatic, is focused on improving the developer experience of Ethereum. Why have you focused on this area of developer experience in both of your companies? Because I feel like that is one of the most important things to tackle for any platform to take off. If there's no one building for this platform, it's really difficult to build or use. Then, then the benefit of this platform doesn't happen. So, you know, just kind of like Microsoft really focuses on, you know, the developer experience and tooling when, you know, earlier in their days as well. So, you know, it's very similar. And basically, by lowering the barrier of entry into these platforms, we get more developers building, we get more creativity, we get you know, less friction in terms of user experience, and more variety that we can explore so that we can more efficiently find what works for this platform and what doesn't work for the platform. So in general, the speed of innovation will be uh, sped up. And then that's you know, what, what, what I want to see by making the developer experience easier. Describe the developer experience of working with Ethereum today. What do you have to do? Yeah, there's uh, actually quite a bit of things that you need to do right now. You know, one thing is figure out all the tooling. So there's no one tooling that fits all. And in fact, it will take around a new developer around seven hours at least to from understanding uh, what it is to making their first decentralized application. You have to learn about you know contra uh, smart contracts, solidity smart contracts. You know how to deploy contracts. What are test nets and 
how to use the Web3 interface, understanding what MetaMask is and you know, how their keys are stored, a lot of different things that are also very different from how traditional applications are built. So the barrier of entry is really high right now. What are you doing it at Fortmatic to improve that developer experience? Right. So for our first project is making, it's actually making end users be able to interact with decentralized applications better. So what a lot of these developers have to do is to integrate with a Chrome extension called MetaMask, which is a de facto standard of how users interact with uh, Ethereum applications right now. So I was running like a user experience analysis. It takes 22 steps for an end user to make their first transaction to the blockchain through like a dApp. Dapp is decentralized application. And you know, given this kind of friction, it's really difficult for anyone to get started. And also the users are they're limited to being on the desktop or, or browser that only support uh, extensions. So the first thing that we did was uh, we removed the requirement of needing to install a Chrome extension before interacting with a decentralized app. And we basically made it seamless so that any application that was working with MetaMask before will work with Fortmatic by only changing a couple lines of code. So basically get the, user, get the developer to transition into this new user experience, which is at least 14 steps less compared to the older experience. Right, and this is no exaggeration what you're saying with the number of steps. I was on a, a show recently I did, and I was reliving talking to somebody about the process of, of interacting with Gitcoin. And Gitcoin is a great example of a, a decentralized application that actually has use. It's an app where you can put bounties for open source projects, and, and other people can complete those bounties. They can solve bugs in your open source project, and and then the, the bounty that you have locked up in a smart contract can get unlocked. And that all sounds great until you realize that in order for any developer to go through the claiming of the the bounty or or somebody with an open source project to post that bounty they have to interact with the web3 ecosystem which is difficult <laughs> to say the least so you mentioned metamask what role does metamask play in the ethereum ecosystem yeah so there's many ways to see it the way i see it is a lot like a identity or key management system because for any user to interact with the blockchain, they'll need to sign transactions with uh, their private keys. And basically it's a you know, long lasting debate between you know, where the key should be stored. Um, so for MetaMask, the key is stored uh, you know, on the desktop. And basically using, act, it's, it's, it acts like an like a interface for you to sign transactions with the key on your laptop and then uh, submit the transaction to the blockchain. So it's like this uh, this you know middleman or it's a bit like one password as well that uh, associates the developer's identity, sorry, the user's identity with the Chrome extension and then use that to interact with the dApps. What are the problems with MetaMask? What makes it so hard to work with? So 
It's definitely a very great project and a good step towards at least making Ethereum apps usable. Because I think one of the challenges, in my opinion, is is that it's very、uh, prosumer based. It makes sense to developers who understand the inner workings of the blockchain, but it's not quite the experience for mainstream users because it's too much of a mental model switch from the Web two world into Web three world. For example, with things like a twelve word seed phrase, that when users sign up, they'll have to write it down somewhere on pen and paper. And make sure they don't lose it. And if they lose it, you know, all their assets will, will disappear. Will be locked up. And and also the fact that it's a Chrome extension that user have to install before interacting with any application. The context switching is is too jarring, and a lot of users will be you know scared off from this. And you know, one thing that we are doing at Forgematic is making sure that the user experience is very similar to a Web two world. So basically, for us. The user will type in their phone number. We'll send them a one-time passcode, and boom, they'll have their account ready, their, their wallet ready to interact with decentralized applications. All right, let's start to unpack what you do. There's a term I, I want to articulate here, which is Web three provider. What is a Web three provider? So, for a Web three provider, it's essentially a a programmatic interface to talk to. Ethereum nodes, so it sits on the client side. So you know, one thing that Formatic does is switching. I'm probably not the best person to explain this technical technically, but essentially, it's a it's an interface that is being used to talk to Ethereum nodes. For MetaMask, they'll they'll inject a Web3 provider into the web page. In order to interact with Ethereum nodes on the backend, and for Formatic, we replace. The MetaMask Web3 provider with Fortmatic provider and talk to basically essentially the same backend nodes, and you know that's kind of like the beauty of、uh, this decentralized protocol is that the the backend the server is very homogeneous in how、uh, users and developers interact with it. Yeah, and so I remember MetaMask has a a tight relationship with Infura. I think is 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 Infura is that the Web three provider that Web that MetaMask uses?、Uh, so Infura is essentially infrastructure, the backend infrastructure that uh, MetaMask uh, or any Web three application talks to. So essentially, they host they host Ethereum nodes that、uh, all these applications can talk to, and then provide services on top. It's a bit like you know AWS providing infrastructure to to、uh, developers, and in this case, is is very is very similar. Right, right, and so you know what's interesting about Ethereum, of course, is that these nodes are all supposed to be the, the same. They're supposed to do, be doing things that are are very very similar. They maintain the same information. For the blockchain now, I've heard some people say, "Well, you know, if everybody's going through MetaMask, or if many of these applications are interacting with users through Met through MetaMask, and MetaMask is talking to Infura, and Infura is maintaining these Ethereum nodes, you end up with a large number of of transactions that are going through Infura's nodes." Rather than a wide distribution of those, I guess, ingressed transactions into the Ethereum world, is that is that problematic? Is that that a, a source of centralization? Yeah, it's 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 definitely prob problematic, and 
I feel like you know that's one thing that you know we like to bring is variety, having more varieties. There are already a lot of infrastructure providers like you know like Alchemy, and a lot of developers do host their own nodes as well. But uh, still, every app goes through MetaMask is an issue, and you know there are. So you know, one of our goal is to you know provide more variety towards that, so that not everyone is going through the same user experience and rely solely on MetaMask, which definitely helps the ecosystem grow, offering more optionality to end users and developers. So you were describing the onboarding process for a user that wants to use a DAP, and they and with Fortmatic, there's some kind of integration with phone numbers. Can can you explain that in more detail? What do you need SMS for? Yeah, so the experience is is very similar to how you know Stripe checkout or Plaid works. Let's say the user clicks the buy button in a DAP, the Fortmatic model will open, asking users for their phone number. And after user types in the phone number, uh, we'll send them a basically it's like a one-time password or the kind of security code that you get in second uh, in two-factor auth. It's experience that that users are very familiar with. So after they type in the SMS code, an account will be either created or existing users will be logged into their Fortmatic wallet. And then after they're logged in, they'll be able to make you know their first transaction to the blockchain without ever leaving the the application. Fascinating. Now, of course, the decentralization people listening to this are are thinking, "Oh my God, this is just appalling! You're using SMS infrastructure, using this centralized, insecure." phone world how dare you inject you know this this kind of centralization and and uh, insecure infrastructure into our our developer or i guess our consumption experience are there problems with with using sms or i guess maybe you could just talk about the the pros and cons of building around this kind of two-factor sms infrastructure yeah so you know what formatic uh, wants to do is take a more pragmatic approach to solving all this problem. Um, and the problem is really there are only around 8,000 daily users across all dApps right now. And we're nowhere close to any kind of you know mainstream adoption. And so for this industry, I think the biggest thing that needs to be solved is making sure that we ease Web 2 users into Web 3, uh, rather than forcing them into an experience that's very unfamiliar. And with that context, the easiest and the friction, most frictionless experience is through phone numbers and SMS. And then the philosophy here is to offer them optionality as the end users know more about their own needs, right? Let's say eventually they'll be able to attach like a recovery email or authenticator app and, and potentially more advanced secure security so that uh, they can store a, a more substantial amount of funds. And so by kind of easing the end users, we make sure that uh, we get more people into the ecosystem uh, at least and then providing them more options later on. So this way, it's, a, it's less of a very jarring switch and, uh, and a much better experience compared to uh, what's out there right now. Now you're talking about making the consumption of dApps easier, but 
from my perspective, I haven't been covering Ethereum in as much detail as I was a year ago, but I haven't seen very many dApps that people actually want to consume today. I mean, I used Gitcoin because I thought Gitcoin was, was pretty sweet and useful. You know, CryptoKitties seems like something that people would want to use. What's the state of dApps? Are there any killer dApps you've seen recently? Or it doesn't even have to be killer dApps. I hate, I hate that word. I hate the killer word, but just useful ones. What have you seen that's useful? So uh, one thing that's really useful is um, it's definitely financial primitives. It's not usually perceived as an app, but these primitives offer you know essentially financial capability like financial service capabilities to people that was never able to access them before right like um so there's really interesting project uh, like compound protocol which you can stake a stable currency called die in there and then earn interest you know there's decentralized exchanges and there are uh, lending and borrowing protocols a lot of these financial primitives added together i think the implication is it it's is unlimited and on top of that you'll be able to, to you know pay people with cryptocurrency through you know projects like github or what opolis is working on and and even uh, one of the projects at the hackathon that used fortmatic uh, was called job simple so it's it's a way to, for you know people to get paid in you know other countries who doesn't have the luxury of the u.s ecosystem and and the, you know the re- regulations and and all that right so this is the same stuff that people have been talking about for a very long time the micropayments transactions the unbanked transactions it's just that these things take a while to actually build out takes a while to get the infrastructure in place takes a while to get the developers mobilized takes a while to get the users mobilized is this stuff all happening? Like, is it is it actually coming to fruition? It's just taking a very long time. So, with any technology, uh, compared to the early days, it takes a long time. And the first throwing example out there, the the white paper for relational database, came out seven years before you know Oracle made the first application. Incredible. And that's a, it's a very, very long time. And, and I think we're close to the cusp of um, you know, Ethereum and the, the generalized blockchain hitting mainstream too, because it's been a couple of years and you get the most talented and incredible developers building for blockchain right now. So it's, it's like a, right now it kind of feels like a Cambrian explosion of all projects and protocols, just like how when operating systems are being created, you know, there's Unix, there's other different OSs, and is essentially the one with the most developer following will hit more mainstream, you know, Unix, and then you have Linux, and then you have the Mac, Mac OS. And I feel like the same thing is definitely happening with the, you know, the, the Ethereum or, or the blockchain world. At least we have, you know, the best, one of the best developers working in this industry, and now, given the price drop of cryptocurrency, there's definitely a lot of more, a lot more pragma- uh, pragmatic people trying to make things easier, make it more user friendly, and 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 bring this, uh, bring Web three mainstream. So I feel like it's it's definitely happening. And then 
very similar to how you know when I was in the container ecosystem, the kind of buzz and and talented developers working for containers, and then it took around two years to for containers to really hit mainstream. So I'm definitely see like patterns uh, repeating here. And there is a streak of Bitcoin maximalism that I've seen talking talking to some people. Some of the Bitcoin maximalism to me is very rational. Like I hear these arguments where people will say all you really need in the layer 1 is a trusted append only transaction sequence with this cryptocurrency infrastructure to make it trusted and everything else should be on layer 2 we should have smart contracts we should have lightning network we should have crypto kitties whatever you want to build on layer 2 Therefore, Ethereum is not useful. We should all be Bitcoin maximalists. What do you think of that argument? I think it's, I think, I, I do think the argument makes a lot of sense. And uh, to me, it's just much harder to build complicated applications on top of blockchain, oh, sorry, on top of Bitcoin right now. And for Ethereum, it's just there's much more tooling and content and more developer building like actually usable applications on top of it. So I agree with the the philosophy of, you know, having layer, layer one be fully trusted and then have the, the second layer be where the most interaction is. It's, it's a, lot, a lot like our current financial system where, you know, gold, uh, which is, is supposedly the layer one, but you don't really know how much there are. And then the layer two would be, you know, currencies that's supposedly to be pegged to gold, but you can't be sure of that either. And if you move that into this new financial system, you know, whether it's Bitcoin or Ethereum, uh, it doesn't matter. But one thing that matters is, you know, how much exactly there are, how many Bitcoins there are or will be. And then you're going to have a second layer of, you know, more performant, uh, you know, tokens that's pegged to Bitcoin. And you know exactly how they peg to each other, the, the one-to-one relationship, you know. You know, ideally, the Bitcoin don't even have to move that much, just like how uh, gold doesn't move as much. Uh, they're just sitting in vaults. And this way, you know, with this new blockchain system, you know exactly, you have like full transparency into the store of value and the currency. So I definitely like agree with that philosophy. It's so hard to know if it's going to be winner take all. I mean, you see some areas of software engineering where you have winner take all dynamics, like Linux, right? Linux is kind of a, everybody uses, like Linux is the open source operating system. Or Kubernetes. Kubernetes, quote unquote, one. Kubernetes is the container orchestration tool that has captured all of the mind share, for better or worse. Docker, the Docker standard for uh, Docker containers. Winner take all. I'm not a, stu- a student, a complete student of financial history, so I'm I'm not sure if I you know could say what what the standard is or what the historical the history has been, but it's you know you could ease just as easily imagine it being winner take all. Like I don't know, I think the the U.S. dollar, like so many things in the world are denominated by the U.S. dollar. I think the com- like a lot of the commodities markets, people just look at the U.S. dollar, they think of it in terms of the U.S. dollar, but I don't, I don't want to speak out of, out of out of my expertise. But then like an, you know, another 
another another non winner take all world was the the cloud providers. Early on, people were like, "Oh, AWS is going to take all of it." And then now, today, you look at it, and it's like a thriving ecosystem of many many cloud providers. And in some light, these cryptocurrency platforms look more like cloud providers than they look like currencies. So interesting, interesting developments. Fortmatic, if I want to buy a CryptoKitty, I actually I have no idea how that works. So maybe it's, maybe it's, do I buy it? Is that what I do? I just pay money for it from, from CryptoKitties Inc. Or how does that work? And how can I use, how can I use Fortmatic with CryptoKitties? Right. So to buy a CryptoKitty, you have to start with having some cryptocurrency. So currently without Fortmatic, if a, a user wants to buy a CryptoKitty, they'll have to visit the CryptoKitty uh, website. They'll have to, and CryptoKitty will tell these new users to download MetaMask. After user downloads the MetaMask and goes through the setup process, they'll have to transfer their cryptocurrency from either exchange or another wallet into MetaMask. And then after the funds arrive, the end users can start, um, submit a transaction to buy a CryptoKitty. With Fortmatic, it's a very similar flow, but without getting having the users to go to, you know, the Chrome extension store to download, to download a Chrome extension in order to interact with the DApp. So, and the user can sign up with just their phone number and and then they're ready to go. But you know, one of the challenges still is to, you know, what is the best way to get cryptocurrency from somewhere else uh, into. Fortmatic, there could be you know fiat on ramp. Um, the user could transfer another exchange. Uh, user could even transfer from MetaMask if they want something that's more secure. And then there's also we're exploring the the potential to basically uh, pre-seed wallets so that users can just get started right away with a little bit of crypto. You know, get their first kitty, kind of get the hang of uh, what the decentralized application is and incentivizing them to, you know, get more cryptocurrency. All right. So so if you, you might hate me for saying this, but just in case, decide to go over to, to the ICO side of things, you could make your own uh, Fortmatic cryptocurrency, you can airdrop it into your wallets, and, and there there you go. You got it. You, there you got a business. There's your business model. Back to reality. So you're operating wallets. Like you are handling the wallets of the users who so that they don't have to deal with annoying wallet infrastructure. Yes, and and that's you know quite some work to do that. Yeah, tell me about that. And I, I guess just to clarify for listeners, why why you are operating the wallets here? Right, because it's essentially you know Murphy's law. So if users keep the keys, we're not talking about like the users now. You know the the mainstream users, people are gonna mess up. They're gonna lose their keys, or they're gonna have to hide their private keys somewhere or the seed phrase somewhere. And they're going to forget something is going to happen to it and, and their funds will be locked up. It, it's kind of like how people used to hide cash in a vault and then bury it somewhere, which is like a, a pretty primitive way to secure something. And so for uh, with Fortmatic, we take the, uh, the effort to really secure, help the user secure their private keys uh, using an architecture called Cryptographic Anchor. And so the difference is that like a traditional system or a traditional hack would be the hackers get into a, a, you know, let's say this company's database of encrypted user data with the private keys. The hacker can just download the entire content and then crack the content uh, within their own infrastructure and on their own time. 
So the and sometimes the companies don't even know that until you know two years later there's like a huge leak of you know users' private keys or users' data and and it's really catastrophic. Versus with the crypto anchor system, we basically use hardware to encrypt the keys. So basically, what that does is force hackers to crack the passwords or the private key, encrypted private keys within our infrastructure. That means we have full visibility. And we can make the environment adversarial to the hackers, and like detect, impede, and、uh, and monitor this process, so that we can, you know, mitigate、uh, the damage by a lot. So you know, there's no such thing as like absolute security. It's more about okay, how do we handle risk? How do we mitigate the damage? And how do we recover from it and improve the security model further? This is giving me a vision into into what you're building and how significant this this could be. Because if you have to build all this difficult infrastructure for security management, and I'm assuming I, I'm taking you on face value that this security stuff is actually difficult to build. But if you actually have to have to build difficult security infrastructure, and then you put a layer of high usability above it and high convenience for the end user. It does start to resemble a product like a Plaid or a Stripe, one of these companies where we've seen that developer experience plus、uh, financial transactions can result in a really interesting company. For sure, you know that's why I'm you know, super excited about this project. Tell me more about what you've built. What what is difficult about setting up a Web three provider and being a Crypto infrastructure company that manages wallets. What's gone into that? Yeah, there's so much to it. You know, just the security side alone is a huge amount of work. You know, getting security audit, make sure that we get hackers to try to crack the system all the time, and then you know, make sure that we're on top, we're staying on top of like the the, the trends, and、um, make sure the employees are educated about security and and how to you know keep their Information safe, and that's just one thing. And then there's also the the SDK. How do we make it so that developers can onboard to Fortmatic relatively seamlessly? You know, managing the versions of you know SDK releases. What features do developers want, and how do we want it to be accessed? So that's another crazy amount of work. And then on top of that, there's you know a, a very well crafted、uh, user experience that's exposed. To mainstream users, and you know, refining this experience. So, like, essentially, what we built doesn't seem like a lot on the surface, but you know, underneath, there's like a huge amount of work that's going towards it. And I think it's, you know, it's it's a small but a very necessary step to really bring the technology to mainstream. So, so then let's describe the developer side. So, if I am a developer. Why is Fortmatic useful? Useful for me? I mean, you have an SDK, you've got documentation. Me as a developer, what am I getting out of using Fortmatic? Right. So right now, what the developers are getting out of it is that they are able to provide a much better user experience for their users, so that you know they'll they'll get more conversion, they'll get、uh, you know less sign up friction, and then just get people to try their product at least. So, so formatic kind of opens the door to that, and also there are more,、uh, you know, custom、uh, methods that formatic is providing the developer, such as they can easily pull all the balances for their end users, like really easily, or the transactions for the particular user, so that they can, 
And then also we're working with, you know, some of our dad partners on, you know, figuring out what kind of experience is better, better cater to their use cases. So, you know, one thing that we do is we make ERC-20 interface look more like a actual transaction and less like a smart contract call. So this way for end users is really intuitive. It's like, oh, I transfer Ether and then I transfer other tokens too in the same way. Rather than, hey, why is the ERC-20 transfers look different, right? So we do a lot of work to, to tailor and customize the user experiences for very for specific use cases that the users want. And, and we provide all of that you know, to the developers. Is anybody else doing this? Yeah, there's a few other companies doing this as well. Like, you know, one is called Portis, and then there's Spitsky, and, and also, you know, there's, there's MetaMask. Right. Oh, oh, is MetaMask a business also? So MetaMask is a project under uh, Consensus. Oh, okay. And Consensus is that collection of, pro- of companies slash projects. So maybe it's a project right now, could get turned into a business later. Interesting. And you can integrate with Coinbase, I saw. Why is that useful? Why would somebody want to integrate with Coinbase through Fordmatic? Uh, so we, we don't support that right now, but you know we're, we're considering because I feel like for mainstream users, they won't be that comfortable sending you know public addresses around and making sure that it matches what they copy and paste it in. Uh, if they can just connect to an exchange and transfer directly from the exchange to Fortmatic wallet, it helps uh, reduce the chance of you know human error. It, it feels safer, just like transferring from one you know bank bank account to another bank account. It's like really seamless without exposing the inner workings. Uh, in this case, which is uh, the public address. Got it. So, you know, one thing I I have trouble figuring out is the role of exchanges, or I guess, I mean, Coinbase is kind of more than an exchange, but I'm trying to understand, like, the surface area of these, you know, the pre-existing big players, like you have Shapeshift, you have Coinbase, have Decentral.ca, I think, or, or what is it? The, that's a wallet company. I don't remember. Anyway, I can't figure out the surface area of these companies. Like, are they all just, like, collections of prod products? Like, you start with a wallet. Like, I guess I'm just looking for a mental model to think about crypto companies. And it seems like a lot of them start with, we are a place where you have a wallet and you have some some money stored there. And then we kind of like build applications and usability and security and trading around those things. Can you give me like a mental model for how to think about some of these these cr- centralized crypto companies like the Coinbase's and the Shapeshifts of the world? Yeah, I could be wrong. Just given the model where like for blockchain to work, there needs to be a bridge uh, between you know our physical world and the legal realm and then the blockchain, the digital world. I don't think that like normal users will be using exchanges. I feel like the people who need exchanges would go through it in like the best way, the regulated way to obtain cryptocurrency. And then using the tooling that's built around the blockchain to get it to the hands of people and uh, exchanging, right? So I see the exchanges as being like a great gateway for actually for the mainstream adoption, right? Inco- including custodial solutions that store larger amount of assets. 
I think the existence of these companies is crucial for you know the mainstream adoption of the blockchain. But the most action and transactions will be happening elsewhere. Okay, you were just at ETH Denver, and we were talking about that a bit before the show. Uh, you know, I like for this show to generally be like evergreen content, but just to take a snapshot in time for uh, early 2019, the market is in a lull, but you've told me that the state of the people building cryptocurrency infrastructure is is quite excited. Take me inside ETH Denver. What was it like? And then, by, by the way, for those listening, that's a conference where people show up and give presentations and talk about what they're building and so on. Yeah, it's a little more context. So, you know, despite the price drop, there are still 9% recorded month-over-month growth on the number of dApps built, right? So with this context, you know, going into East Denver, you have a lot of developers who's, you know, willing to build dApps still, you know, despite the price drop because, you know, they see the potential of what this could be. There are developers who hack on, you know, building dApps. There are developers who build, you know, base layer protocols or side chains, you know, financial primitives, and also just, you know, contributing in any way possible, right, to, to the impact that the blockchain can bring. And I feel like it's, there's like very virtuous, you know, ideals that's driving all of these development of these technology and products. So, and also at, at East Denver, it's a very, you know, tight knit circle where people are really open about, you know, sharing their ideas and, and uh, you know, working together. So it, it's definitely, you know, one of a kind of, a, of an ecosystem. And yeah, with, with a lot of uh, talented engineers and designers and, you know, product builders. What's the focus of the core Ethereum developer team these days? There's the sharding and plasma and these scalability attempts scalability solutions that are in the works. What's the state of the Ethereum developer team's focus? I can't speak on their behalf, but you know, just from what I see, it's a lot of effort making sure that it scales and more and more eco-friendly by you know moving into proof of stake, you know, there's sharding, there's plasma. You know, a lot of focus seems to be on, on there. But you know, because it's such an open uh, ecosystem, there's a lot of great proposals uh, out there to improve it and then for more powerful dApps being built. And, and as a developer building a company in this ecosystem, you don't necessarily need to go into the weeds to understand those details, right? It definitely helps to go into the weeds to understand like what's coming up and the things that, you know, the limitations that we may have. So it's, it's definitely helpful to know, you know, everything that's going on in the ecosystem. Interesting. Well, I guess just just to wrap up, I mean, can you can you say a bit about what the the goals of Fortmatic are, both short and long term, and what your vision for the company is? Yeah, the short term is you know really you know fulfill the the demands of our launch partners. Uh, so we signed up a lot of you know you know partners, DApps that we want to make sure that Fortmatic works seamlessly with what they're building. So that's our our top focus right now, as well as you know developer feedback, the quirks people found during the hackathon on the event. So our team is going to address all of those things and just make the experience more seamless and more frictionless, uh, less steps. And then for the long term, I think I want Fortmatic to be able to help more developers getting started and you know, by offering you know, more Fortmatic endpoints that 
basically makes their job easier. And also, you know, launching publicly with our partners, our partners connected with Corpmatic and then and then making sure that you know, they get exposure to the users, the experience that's uh, brought by Format. Sean Lee, thanks for coming on the show. It's been really great talking to you. Great. Thank you. Thanks, Jeff. Wow.